Third down and 10 at the 11. Rattler, play fake. Rattler, dancing, squares, fires. Touchdown, Oklahoma. Marvin Mims, the talented freshman out of Frisco. This is BetQL Daily, presented by FanDuel Sportsbook with the Joes, Joe Ostrowski and Joe Giglio from BetQL. Joe Ostrowski, Joe Giglio with you on this Friday, getting you set for week zero in college football. One more weekend of NFL preseason action, if you want to bet on that. We are now 13 days away from the official start of the upcoming NFL season. Thank you for hanging out. We want to bring in one of our favorites from FanDuel. His name is Ed Egros. He's on Twitter, at Ed with Sports, at Ed with Sports. He's got the Football Analytics Show. Uh, you should download that. It's uh, it's a podcast, so search the Football Analytics Show. It's Ed Egros, and he's with Ed Fink. There we go. We can see Ed now. Perfect. Ed, that is a uh, that is a lot of brain power on that show. I guarantee people will, be, will learn something if they're listening to YouTube. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, I'd like to bring up like, oh, yeah, I, am very I, 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 <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think I'm the closer in this duo. Like I'm the okay. Mariano Rivera uh, while he's the Mike Mussina or Roger Clemens basically doing, you know, seven, eight innings. And I come in, you know, inner Sandman, all that fun stuff. Yes. So I, I think that's a fair uh, ratio there. Are, uh, are you all set, college football week zero? I kind of feel like they're cheating us a little bit. We're getting pumped up, and we've been counting down to the game starting off tomorrow. Um, but, all right, I guess there are a couple games to be interested in. What about UCLA? You're in the L.A. area. What is, uh, is, is there much hype for Chip Kelly to finally get this thing going? I know offensive side and defensive side, we saw improvements a year ago. The win total sitting at seven. I've heard strong opinions on uh, both sides. Cases for the over and cases for the under. What do you think about the Bruins season? You know, it's interesting to me because when you look at what happened to UCLA a year ago, and, and granted with all Pac-12 teams, I mean, they played a real condensed schedule. I think uh, they were three and four a season ago, the Bruins were, and they probably played more games uh, than some teams in the Pac-12. So when you look at those four losses, they were all by six points or fewer. And typically what happens when you lose a bunch of close games is that you win a bunch of close games the season after. And that alone makes me feel comfortable uh, in terms of taking the over win total for UCLA. But specifically when you look at this week zero game, I am a big, big believer in Dorian Thompson Robinson, the quarterback coming back for his fourth year. This is a team that just a season ago finished in the top 20 in EPA per pass. They can sling it, no doubt about that. Meanwhile, they're taking on a Hawaii team that, yeah, pretty experienced offensively, definitely ex experienced defensively, but in terms of the advanced metrics, nothing really moves the needle as far as I'm concerned, and also they had a much easier strength of schedule than UCLA did. So I add all of that together, and I feel pretty comfortable taking UCLA on a massive spread, but as far as the season is concerned, I'm a big believer in the Bruins. Now, they do have to face USC, obviously, and I really like USC, but in terms of positioning themselves for a decent bowl game this go-round, I think they have a shot. And any other games, it's a, it's a smaller slate for weeks here, but any other games stand out to you? We were, we were breaking down the Illinois-Nebraska game, and we see some value on Illinois on this show. A any other game tomorrow, week zero, that you're kind of looking at? Is it bad that I'm agreeing with you guys? Uh, is, uh -oh. a, is, <laughs> is that, in terms of content, are we supposed to have disagreements? Because I, I'm, I totally believe in Illinois plus seven. And I'm not, I'm not into the fake arguments, Ed. But I, I will good, just say, good. as, as a, <laughs> as a better, 
What does concern me, and I know mm-hmm. I shouldn't be worried about this too much, I have not heard one person make the case for Nebraska this week. I can make the case that the recruiting talent is far and away better than what Illinois has. In mm-hmm. terms of what's within the cupboard, absolutely the Cornhuskers should be able to win this game by a couple of touchdowns. If you're looking simply at recruiting rankings, and I love 24-7 sports, their composite rankings, Nebraska finished in the top 20 each of the last two years, while Illinois was 60th thereabouts, 80th thereabouts. There is a massive talent discrepancy as far as this game is concerned. But the problem is, in terms of returning talent, uh, if you look at PPA and EPA numbers, it's relatively the same. And then you look at the coaching matchup, and yeah, I know things kind of fell apart for Brett Bielma at Arkansas, but in terms of who can coach an offensive and defensive line, who's great within the trenches, so to speak, you're not going to find too many coaches better than him. And I think that's the reason why I think seven is just too big a number here. I understand if anyone wants to sort of go the other direction and take Nebraska minus seven just because of the talent discrepancy, but too much drama there in Lincoln for me to feel comfortable taking them at this point. What is your approach with teams that have played very little football over the last one to two years? I know a lot of mm-hmm. people are just going to take Fresno State no matter what the number is because they know UConn didn't play any football a year ago, even though New York Times crowned them as national champions. And that's fair. And that's fair. And you don't want to take anything away from that because, yeah. you know, that's something that the kids can uh, take with them uh, all the way to the end, tell their grandkids <laughs> fun stories, I guess. No, I yes. It's actually interesting because we also have another game that's sort of at the opposite end of the spectrum in UTEP, New Mexico State, right? Where New Mexico State, the Aggies, played spring football and now have to turn right back around and take on a UTEP team that, yeah, maybe one of the weaker teams in the state of Texas, but, you know, how tired are you? How how much does that kind of off-season schedule really matter in the grand scheme of things? So it's funny how they're sort of two ends of the spectrum here in terms of figuring out like how much these things matter in terms of not playing very much versus playing too much, so to speak. But to me, I know we all want to believe that that regimented schedule is there for a reason, but it doesn't concern me too much in terms of rest versus rust. If UConn's going to come out and, you know, look, you know, a little tired uh, just because they haven't played a full game like that, uh, you know, in quite some time. But at the same time, practices do matter. You are getting yourself in shape as far as that's concerned. I know a game can be different, but you'd like to believe that practices are meant to be tougher than games themselves so that you don't uh, get too tired as far as uh, what happens in the fourth quarter, maybe even over time. So as far as that's concerned, I'd rather just look at the talent that UConn has and feel comfortable that whatever they have uh, should either be sufficient or it's not and not worry too much about you know the lack of playing time. However, when it comes to New Mexico State, I do feel like that playing too much can be a bit of an issue because sometimes you may just overthink these issues and get too lax at practice or take too much time off, and then you might have some issues there. Not to mention there's extra game tape that UTEP has, and so they may be able to figure some things out. So lack of playing time and practice time, or lack of playing time rather, doesn't bother me too much, but too much playing time, I think that's a different story. And let's say our listeners are watching the game Saturday. Maybe they're not going to jump in on many because there's only five games, not a big slate, but mm-hmm. they're already thinking about week one. G- give us a game. Give us a game or a team you're already looking at week one college football that either you've bet on already or you might. Yeah, it's one of those things where I think 
what's fascinating when you look at Alabama is that, okay, some some people are like, well, you know, really Oklahoma's the best team in the country because of Spencer Rattler. And Alabama, you know, too, too many offensive players are trying to, to, you know, replace that, you know, going on to the NFL and won the Heisman and all that fun stuff. What's interesting to me is that it always feels like every now and again, if in some conceivable fashion, Alabama may be on upset alert, People just kind of chomp at the bit as far as that's concerned. And then what happens under Nick Saban time and time again? Not only do they win, they win handily. And I think that's what's going to happen again here against De'Aaron King in Miami. Look, I love the Hurricanes. I love what they've done with the transfer portal. I love what they've done as far as, you know, De'Aaron King and and getting him. Uh, There are a lot of reasons why I feel like Miami can really, you know, make up some ground as far as the ACC is concerned. But Alabama is the number one team in the SEC for a reason. And I think they will reload as far as those offensive playmakers are concerned. And so I'm not worried too much as far as Alabama covering the spread. The only concern I have as far as the tide is concerned is, do they have enough to go through the slate unbeaten? Because if you look at that win total, I believe all it takes is one loss and then you hit an under. And with Texas A&M there, SEC Championship, LSU... Ole Miss, uh, with that high-flying offense, there are enough uh, teams there that I think could really challenge Bama. But coming out of the gate, Nick Saban's about as good as any coach in America. This is BetQL Daily, Joe Ostrowski, Joe Giglio. Our guest is Eddie Gross from FanDuel at Ed with Sports on Twitter. I want to transition over to the NFL. Ed, if uh, we're doing a game of buy or sell, um, is, is there a team that stands out that you are buying, that you would go over the win total and maybe a team that you're going to fade this upcoming season? Yeah, definitely. I'll start with an under because it's a, uh, at a top of mind here. Uh, I'm going under on the Cleveland Browns. I don't exactly understand all of the hype here. I, I know that they did well in the playoffs, hammering the Steelers and nearly beating the Chiefs on the road, and that's great. But they were an 8-8 eight and eight team that won a lot of close games but then also got blown out early in the season and had some contests within the division uh, that were a little suspect as far as I'm concerned. And so, you know, I I do like Baker Mayfield. I do think that he is a good quarterback, but I still have some questions as far as uh, long-term stability as far as this offense is concerned. And this division is still tough with Baltimore, uh, an upcoming Bengals team. And I don't believe in the Steelers, but it's a tough schedule for the Browns. And so I would not be surprised if uh, they go that under 10.5-10 win total. And I think I even saw an alternate at 9.5 that I'm interested in possibly going under with as well. Uh, But as far as if there's a team that I really like, uh, even though I lived in Dallas for a little while, I don't want to come across as a homer here, but I do believe that not only can the Cowboys win the NFC East, even despite the injury concerns with Dak Prescott, look, if Dak is healthy, he is far and away the best quarterback in the division. So I'm, I'm comfortable there. But then, on top of that, I know that there were a lot of insults for the NFC East just a season ago, but everyone had a tough schedule facing the AFC North. I think for everyone, it gets a good bit easier. And again, best quarterback in that division, it's Dak Prescott, far and away. And the win total at 9.5, I'm comfortable taking the over there. Eric, how, how are you betting the the Saints this season? Jameis Winston, now the starting quarterback. It's It's become... This, like, just trust Sean Payton thing. I know mm-hmm. Jameis has looked pretty good in the preseason. I don't trust Jameis. I think the Saints <laughs> could be in for an under, could be in for a tough year. I just think as time goes on, he's Jameis Winston. He is what he is, even if he's better coached. Do you think the Saints are going to surprise us? Could they go under? If you had to bet the Saints right now, how would you look at their season? 
Well, it's interesting because uh, what did Sean Payton say that Jameis Winston is not going to have that interception total uh, like he did with Tampa Bay? And the reason for that is he can go to Taysom Hill whenever he wants. It's not it's not like uh, Jameis Winston is all of a sudden going to figure it out, so to speak. I think that was more the subtext of, look, we have a second quarterback that we feel comfortable with uh, who we're still going to play in a number of different sets. So why, why are we going to worry about a high interception total? We can nip that in the bud if it gets out of hand. Uh, receivers, they're, they're quite thin there. And so that's, that's a big concern for me as far as the Saints are concerned. I, I also think with the division the way it is, the Buccaneers, I think, will have an even better regular season than they did a season ago. Uh, you know, Atlanta is still a bit of a wild card. They seem like a 500 team to me, but I wouldn't be surprised if they go 10-7. and 7. Carolina is also interesting. I don't necessarily believe in Sam Darnold, but I do believe in Joe Brady, the offensive coordinator, and he might somehow make that work. And so I think the Saints' schedule gets a good bit tougher. I don't think they're going to completely fall apart, but we've also seen seven and nine campaigns out of Sean Payton, and I wouldn't be surprised if it requires maybe one or even two years of being sub-500 for them to start to figure it out. Keep in mind, too, in terms of the, the Saints' long-term plan, it always feels like when it comes to the draft and free agency, they make a lot of great short-term moves, but then the long term, as far as the salary cap is concerned, eventually catches up to them. And I feel like that's going to happen all at once. Ed, do you have a favorite award in the NFL? MVP, coach, rookie of the year, offensive, defensive players of the year, comeback, anything stand out? <laughs> well, Dak is a comeback player of the year uh, is certainly a possibility, given all the receivers he has. I mean, you think about it. It's possible that the Cowboys could have three 1,000-yard receivers in CeeDee Lamb, Michael Gallup, and Amari Cooper. And if that's the case, then, boy, Dak Prescott should be able to shine in a situation like that, right? The other one, too, that I find really interesting, uh, you know, more of a, a player-based prop award, but I, I really find this one intriguing, is which receiver is going to have the greatest number of touchdowns? And... A lot of that just depends upon opportunity, right? Uh, who's going to have the highest share of air yards, highest share of red zone opportunities, those kinds of things. I wouldn't be surprised if Terry McLaurin out of Washington uh, surprises some people as far as that's concerned. We know Ryan Fitzpatrick loves to air it out. Uh, one of the longer average depths of target uh, in the NFL. And there really isn't a backup plan for Washington if, say, he gets a little too volatile and has sort of a you know high-risk, high-reward kind of season. And who is that second target? Who's the third target as far as Washington is concerned? I'm not sure I trust them at this point, but Terry McLaurin's a darn good receiver. Ryan Fitzpatrick loves to air it out. Wouldn't be surprised if those two connect frequently. Check out the Football Analytics Show with Ed Egros and Ed Fang of the Power Rank. It's a football preview series. New episodes uh, this week and next week as well. We can't. I feel like we've been previewing this season for like three months. Ed. I can't, <laughs> can't wait till we just get it all kicked off. Exactly. I know. Like we're talking about preseason bets and how many more times am I trying to convince people to bet on the Ravens? Hardball. Oh, 20 in a row, right? It happens. It's a lock. It's Keep a lock. it going. <laughs> Keep it going. Thanks, Let's go Ed. for 30, baby. <laughs> we'll talk soon. There's Ed Egros at Ed with Sports on Twitter. Coming up next here on BetQL Daily, we're going to take a look at today's MLB card and also some props that you should consider. Some K-props, home run as well. Joe Ostrowski, Joe Giglio, keep it locked on BetQL Daily, presented by FanDuel Sportsbook.